This is day 241 of our daily Bible reading. This is the final day to complete the Bible in a year. It's hard to imagine that it's been almost a full year since we started this journey, but we've made it. We've made it to the end. And the beautiful thing is, it doesn't really stop here. We continue on our journey through a deeper dive into the Scripture. But let's finish what we started today. Let's read Revelation chapters 20 through 22. Lord Jesus, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for letting us go through this journey with you, Lord, to discover what's in your word. Even at a higher level, Lord, I know that throughout this year, we have all increased in knowledge and increased in wisdom and understanding and have become more sensitive to your will. Lord, we love spending time in your word. There is so much in here that brings us joy and hope. We thank you, Lord, for all the promises that you've made, and you have kept every single one. And the ones that have not been fulfilled yet, we know that you're good for them. Lord, thank you for showing us the glorious end, what is awaiting us on the other side, that you will make everything right that all evil will be held accountable and they will be tormented every day for their unbelief or for their evil deeds. And yet your people that you have chosen for yourself, that we are numbered among them, have been entered into your glory and into your family and have received your wonderful inheritance. Lord, thank you so much for showing us the end ahead of time to give us hope. Please bless the reading of your final words today. In Jesus' name, amen. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven, holding the key of the abyss and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold of the dragon, the serpent of old, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. And he threw him into the abyss, and shut it, and sealed it over him, so that he would not deceive the nations any longer, until the thousand years were completed. After these things, he must be released for a short time. Then I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded, because of their testimony of Jesus, and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received the mark on their forehead or on their hand. And they came to life, and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. The rest of the dead did not come to life until the thousand years were completed. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. When the thousand years are completed, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog to gather them together for the war. The number of them is like the sand of the seashore. 
And they came up on the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. And fire came down from heaven and devoured them. And the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are also. And they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, or crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. Then he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of the water of life without cost. He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But for the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who had the seven bowls, full of the seven last plagues, came and spoke with me, saying, Come here, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit, to a great and high mountain, and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, 
having the glory of God. Her brilliance was like a very costly stone, as a stone of crystal clear jasper. It had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names were written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the sons of Israel. There were three gates on the east, and three gates on the north, and three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. And the wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were the twelve names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The one who spoke with me had a gold measuring rod to measure the city and its gates and its wall. The city is laid out as a square, and its length is as great as the width. And he measured the city with the rod, fifteen hundred miles. Its length and width and height are equal. And he measured its wall, seventy-two yards, according to human measurements, which are also angelic measurements. The material of the wall was jasper, and the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundation stones of the city wall were adorned with every kind of precious stone. The first foundation stone was jasper, the second, sapphire, the third, chalcedony, the fourth, emerald, the fifth, sardonyx, the sixth, sardius, the seventh, chrysolite, the eighth, beryl, the ninth, topaz, the tenth, chrysophrase, the eleventh, jacinth, the twelfth, amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Each one of the gates was a single pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, like transparent glass. I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God has illumined it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed, and they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. And nothing unclean, and no one who practices abomination and lying, shall ever come into it, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then he showed me a river of the water of life, clear as crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb, in the middle of its street. On either side of the river was the tree of life, bearing twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. There will no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his bondservants will serve him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will no longer be any night, and they will have no need of the light of a lamp 
nor the light of the sun, because the Lord God will illumine them, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show to his bondservants the things which must soon take place. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me these things. But he said to me, Do not do that. I am a fellow servant of yours and of your brethren, the prophets, and of those who heed the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong, and the one who is filthy still be filthy. And let the one who is righteous still practice righteousness, and the one who is holy still keep himself holy. Behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to render to every man according to what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, and the sorcerers, and the immoral persons, and the murderers, and the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices lying. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David the bright morning star. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes take the water of life without cost. I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues which are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the tree of life and from the holy city which are written in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. Thus ends the reading of the Word of God. We did it. We made it all the way to the end. It has been quite a journey with its ups and downs, with its mysteries and its wonders. But we have arrived at the end of this book. But the beautiful thing is for us is that this is not the end. 
we can start all over again and we can read the book from the beginning again. As for me, I am glad that we're here because it is so wonderful to be reminded of the beautiful things that are coming for us in the future. But at the same time, I feel a little sad because I have loved this routine in sharing the Word of God with y'all and reading it for myself as well. It has been a wonderful time of growth and development and a longing for the Word of God. I have been honored with the privilege to be able to record this for you and to be able to share this of myself. I know that the Lord had led me to do this, and I am grateful that he gave me the perseverance to make it to the end. There were times where it was not easy to do that. Sometimes I was discouraged about something and I didn't want to record. There were some times where I rebelled against God and I sinned, and it led me to not want to read. But I've come to realize that this podcast was also for my personal growth as well, because what motivated me, even in my hardest days, to continue reading the Word of God and being steadfast in recording it, was the fact that I was not the only one who was listening. I was not the only one participating in this. I know that there are those of you who have been following this from the very beginning. And there are some of you that are halfway through the readings. And there are some that listened to day one of my reading and were probably discouraged because looking back into my first recordings, I've come a long way in my presentation of the material. I know, I've noticed, I've grown, I've developed, I've improved. How I want to just re-record day one all over again, because I heard it recently, and I was very disappointed in what I heard. To me, I sounded monotone, and I sounded like I had no emotion in me. And yet, I think I was more nervous than anything else, because I wanted to do it right. And I hadn't really learned how to edit recordings, or hadn't done anything like this before, so it was all very new for me. And I wonder if that has discouraged people from continuing on, because either the quality of my voice, or the long, awkward pauses that I didn't edit out, or some obvious mistakes that I made in the recordings that I didn't edit out may have had anything to do with it. But at the end of the day, I can worry about those things, but the Lord's will will be done in what I've accomplished. And what you've accomplished, you made it to the end from reading the Bible in 241 days. Not a lot of people can say that they have done this. But we didn't just read the Bible, we studied it. And that is something very precious. And I could feel the Lord's Spirit working through us during this time. Because for me, I was blessed by being able to do commentary. Not because I'm an expert or because I dislike hearing my own voice, which I don't, I assure you. But it really helps me understand it better. I'm that kind of person who thinks out loud. And so if I'm by myself in my car, I usually talk to myself in order to get things through my head and to make sense of things. And this helps me not only make sure that I'm relaying information in a way that can be easily understood, but also it helps me grow, helps me 
digest the word better. So I'm grateful for this time, and I'm grateful that we have made it this far. It's a little sad, but we're not done. Let me assure you that our journey has just begun. I do intend one day to continue this again, the reading of the Bible from beginning to end in a year. I might hold this off until January, but we're not done reading the Bible. I will continue to have episodes every week. Now that we are finished, I can now work more on some of my church-related functions because we are still without a pastor in my local church. But I assure you that I intend to continue to record and study on behalf of you. So look forward to having at least one or two recordings from me per week with material that is a deeper dive into the Bible. This is what I've been looking forward to, because so often I stay at the foundational stuff because I constantly run into people who need the foundational stuff, and there's that lack of spiritual maturity there. But I think it's time. I think it's time for us to go deeper, to understand the doctrines, to understand the deeper truths of the Bible. So we're going to start doing that, either the end of this week or the beginning of next week. So be on the lookout for new recordings from me every so often. But for now, let's go through the final commentary of what we read today. So we see justice fully served. So we see, first off, that Satan will be thrown into the abyss for a thousand years. It's mentioned six times in this chapter. And the word here is called the millennium. So when we see a thousand years, think of the word millennium. And so we often call this period the millennium because of that. So this is the time that Christ is going to physically reign on the earth from New Jerusalem. This is going to be the time where Jesus Christ is going to physically reign on the earth for a thousand years. Satan will not be around to do anything to stop him or to frustrate his plans. He's going to be locked in prison for a thousand years. Only righteousness will flourish. Peace will be worldwide now, like it has always meant to be. And the earth will be productive in its increase. And these are all direct prophecies from the book of Isaiah. Because if you recall reading the book of Isaiah, there's a lot of Millennium Kingdom prophecies in there. After the thousand years, though, Satan will be released for a while. Why? I don't know. But ultimately, he's going to make one more attempt to overthrow Jesus Christ. He still isn't going to give up. you got to give him that credit, at least. He knows he can't win, but he's going to try anyway. Then it says in verse 4, that there's going to be people who are sitting on thrones and judgment will be given to them, and then the souls of those that are beheaded will be judged. And then it says that those that died during the tribulation will be revived to enjoy the millennial kingdom. So, very interesting how this is going to play out. And we don't really know who's on the thrones either. Some speculate maybe the 12 disciples, which don't forget... One of those was a traitor. He was the one who betrayed Jesus Christ, so obviously he's not one of them. 
But if we remember from the beginning of the book of Acts, they added a replacement, and his name was Matthias. And so it's most likely the 11 plus Matthias that are going to be on that throne. And the same thing is where it said in New Jerusalem how the foundation stones were named after the 12 disciples. It's talking about the 11 plus Matthias. Judas Iscariot is not going to be named in heaven for obvious reasons. So what we call here is the judgment seat of Christ. This is not the same kind of judgment that the rest of the world is going to get. Okay, because that's what's coming up here in verse 11, what we call the great white throne judgment. Our judgment's a little bit different as Christians, because we're going to go to the courtroom of heaven, and we're going to be shown everything we have done, right? Everything that we've done good, everything that we've done bad, every careless word we had, every dirty thought we ever had. But at the end, when it is time to declare what the verdict is, we will be declared innocent, not because of what we've done, but because of the blood of Christ that cleansed us and redeemed us from our sin. And then we will enter into glory with him forever and ever. Satan is going to be joining his friends down there in hell, and he will be thrown there forever. After the thousand years ends, he's going to amount a large army, He's going to try one more time to stop Christ. And it says that Christ is going to easily wipe him out. It says that all this army is going to surround the camp of the saints and the beloved city. They're going to try to besiege it. And then it says that fire will come down from heaven and devour them all. It says the Lord is going to summon something from the sky to just wipe them out, and it'll be done in one fell swoop as easily as it started. And then Satan will forever and ever be tormented day and night. He is not going to be Lord of hell where he's sitting there enjoying himself, torturing other people. He may want to do that because he's so angry, but he is also going to be tormented. He's not going to be having fun down there. Let's be clear about that. This is not a good thing. This is what awaits all who do not believe in Christ, and that's what scares me the most. People that I know, people that I love, are going to burn in this hell forever because they have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ or have done nothing with it. That is so sad, and that is why we as Christians have to put urgency into the gospel because we need to try and save people from this fate. Only God knows who's going to get saved, and it's not our power that saves people. But he has included us in that activity, where we are to share of ourselves with other people, as well as present the gospel with accuracy to people. So we need to take what we've learned over these 241 days and take it into the world with us. Not keep it to yourself, because this is what awaits these people. They await a great white throne judgment. They're going to open the book of life, and their name is not going to be in there. And guess what? They're going to get thrown into the lake of fire, the second permanent spiritual death, along with the demons and Satan and the Antichrist and the false prophet. They're all going to be there. And that is the point of no return. There is no coming out of that. There is no, you'll be released after so long. 
There is no second chance, third chance. There's no redemption in hell. It is a permanent state. That's hard to understand, but it is the case. It's the truth. But what we have to look forward to is chapters 21 and 22. We see New Jerusalem coming into the world, the heavenly city that we will be living in. It is also going to be what we call the Bride of Christ, according to verses 9 and 10. And this is the place that Christ has been preparing for us. If you recall, when he was with his disciples, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. This is it. He has prepared new Jerusalem for us. So during the millennium, the thousand-year reign of Christ, it seems that this city is going to come out of heaven into the earthly realm. And it's going to be suspended over the earth. It's almost like it's going to float. And this will be the dwelling place of all believers during eternity as well. Not just for the thousand years, but well beyond that. So here we are going to be able to enjoy a new intimacy with God. And all these other things that are so dreadful in this world are going to be removed. So it says here, like in verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And then it says in verse 14 that death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. So that shows you that Hades is not the same thing as hell. So that's interesting, and that's a whole different area we can look at. But all of that stuff, death and sin, are going to be destroyed. And they're going to be cast into hell, and we're not going to take a part in that anymore. This new creation is going to have perfection in it. It says God himself will be among us. He was called Emmanuel, God with us, right? And now this is a complete fulfillment of that. He's going to wipe away all the tears. There's going to be no more sorrow, no more sadness. There's no more death. There's no more crying. There's no more pain. All those things are done with. How inconceivable and impossible that feels in our current state. But this is the truth. This is what's coming for us. So why do you think Jesus is showing us this now? He's showing us this because this is our eternal home that we have to come to. And so this should inspire us to finish the race, right? We have a race to finish. We have a course to complete, and that is the course that God has put in our mortal flesh right now. This is the finish line. Doesn't that motivate you to finish the race, knowing that this is what's waiting for us? So then in the second half of chapter 21, it gives a physical description of what New Jerusalem is like. And this is the best that we have to offer. So it says that he showed us the holy city Jerusalem that came out of heaven. It is brilliant. It is shining. And it is crystal clear. And so it's transparent. It's like you, you can tell that it is that particular kind of gem, but it is so pure that it's almost clear. And I suppose the reason for that is it allows the glory of God to shine brilliantly through it. Because it says that the glory of God is going to be the light that we live in. That just reminds me of Genesis chapter 1. Because don't forget that the earth 
was lit up. Let there be light was on day one, right? But the sun and the moon and the stars were not created until day four. So where did the light come from? It came from God. God was the light of the world. Jesus Christ is the light of the world, and he will always be the light of the world. New Jerusalem is designed in such a way to where God's glory is the light, and there is no longer going to be any darkness or any night. How wonderful that is. It is going to be extremely high. It is basically a giant cube, if you saw the description of it. It is a big square. 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles wide. That is huge. That's a big city. (laughs) Not only that, but it also says that the walls are 72 yards thick. 66 meters thick. There's no way you're getting in. And it says every gate is named after one of the tribes of Israel, and that they're made from one pearl. You're talking about a giant pearl, (laughs) and it's made into a single gate. And the gates are always open, and no evil is going to come in. So how wonderful that is. And believe it or not, someone took the time to calculate that if you wanted to fill up even 25% of this city, with people, for what we would use as an average accommodation, you're looking at 20 billion people that could fit in just a quarter of this city based on current world standards. That's astounding. That is a lot of people that can fit in there, which means there's a lot of exploration that we'll have. I unfortunately sincerely doubt that we'll have 80 billion Christians in there. So that leaves a lot of room for exploration, a lot of room for expansion, a lot of room for enjoying God's creation. And for all we know, because of our glorified bodies, we'll be able to explore the new heavens and new earth and find such joy and wonder in that. And it is mind-blowing when you stop to think about how vast and how wonderful this creation is going to be. The streets of the city were pure gold and transparent like glass. That's how pure it was. And again, I think it's also to be able to allow God's glory to illuminate through it. Nothing unclean is going to be in it. No sinners are going to be allowed into it. Nothing is going to taint this city. God's perfection will not be thwarted. Only the redeemed will be allowed in the city. Which makes you wonder then, if only the redeemed are allowed into the city, does that mean there's going to be other humans? on the earth still? It really makes you wonder. Then we get to see the delights of the New Jerusalem in chapter 22. Water of life is available. It's running straight through the middle of the city. The rivers are going to be also watering the tree of life, which is going to bear 12 kinds of fruit every month, and I assume one for every month. And there's no longer any curse. And what is the curse? Death and decay. Things are not going to fight you anymore. Things are going to produce like they're supposed to produce. Your body is never going to give out in heaven. You're never going to die. It is an eternal state. That's hard to imagine, but it is the truth. And then we have, first of all, words of comfort, 
and then we have words of warning. The words of comfort are for us. Three times Jesus says here that he is coming quickly. That's a good reminder for us that we need to be ready to receive our master. We need a clean house, and we need to take inventory of our lives and get right with God. John did it again. He tried to worship at the feet of this angel, and the angel stopped him and said, Nope, don't do that. Worship God. Don't worship me. I'm just a servant. But then the angel said to not seal up the book. Let everyone know what's coming. Because the ones that are doing what they're doing right now, they will likely stay that course. That's why he says what he says in verse 11. Let the one who does wrong still do wrong. Let the one who's filthy still be filthy. Let the one who is righteous still be righteous. And the one who is holy still keep himself holy. People are going to continue down their path. They're going to be set in their ways. And let their fruit speak for themselves. Good trees produce good fruit. Bad trees produce bad fruit. And that's how it's always going to be. Verse 12 is also encouraging for us because it says that Jesus is coming quickly, but he says that he has his reward with him. So whenever he returns, he's bringing that reward with him. This is not the only time we've seen this, but this is a good reminder for us. He is going to issue his judgment instantly, and he's going to immediately give us the treasures that we've built up for ourselves in heaven. Then it says in verse 14 that, Blessed are those who wash their robes. This isn't literal. Obviously, what color your clothes are don't matter. What he's talking about is the robes of your life, your body, your spirit, so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates. Who is allowed to enter into the gates again? The righteous, the perfect ones, the ones that were chosen by God. So the robes, then, are your spiritual state. If you are regenerated and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, then your robes will be washed clean. So, at least during the Millennium Kingdom, there's still going to be people outside of New Jerusalem that are going to be sinners, and that are going to be evil. So, I don't know exactly what that looks like, but it says that the new heavens and new earth have no sea. So, does that mean there's no more ocean? Or is that a spiritual thing saying that there's no more separation from people? Because that's what the oceans naturally did. They separated bodies of land from each other. So I don't know. And if there is no more sea, I feel bad for the people who like to fish because there's no more ocean to fish in. And then we have the words of warning in verse 18. Pay very close attention to these warnings. No one is to add or take away from the word of God. This is specifically relating to the book of Revelation, but this really applies to the whole Bible. No one has the right to add or take away from the Word of God. What God has said, He has spoken, and it is final. We do not need to add to it or take away from it. This book, the Bible, is the complete, final revelation from God. There is not going to be another book of the Bible that will appear later. There's not going to be someone who got a new word from the Lord, and will add to this. If they say they can do that, then they are demonic. That is very clear. We do not add 
or take away from the word of God. And there's a special punishment for those people who do. And this is not the only time he's ever said this either. The book of Deuteronomy said this, as well as the book of Proverbs said this, that we don't add or take away from his words, because there is a special place in hell for those kind of people. And then we finally have one last time that Jesus Christ says that he's coming quickly. And then we respond naturally with Maranatha. Come, Lord Jesus. And that is the end of the Bible. That is the complete revelation of God to us. How glorious it is to see the end. We're not there yet, though. We have not arrived at the end. So we still have work to do. The Lord has not returned because there are still people to be saved. So hopefully, you who have been listening up until now are saved. And you are secure in the fate that is listed here in the book of Revelation. But those who are still seeking and are not saved by the grace of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ is available for you. Accept him and be clean so that when this time comes, you will join us in heaven. This is where we are going, and it is secure. No one's going to take it away from us, and nothing's going to stop God from doing what he said he was going to do. Every promise God has ever made, he is going to keep it. Will you trust him today? If you don't trust him, I really recommend that you listen to one of my earlier podcast episodes about the gospel of Jesus Christ. That will really open your eyes to things. Or hopefully, what you've seen here is enough to convince you that Jesus Christ is the Lord, and he is your God. And so I hope that this was helpful to you in that effort. This is not the end, ladies and gentlemen. We finished reading the Bible, but our time here is not over. I look forward to seeing you in the future episodes to come. But until then, I sincerely thank you for following me this far. Thank you for coming on this journey with me. I am Ryan, and I will see you next time. Take care, and God bless you.